Questions and keys for the Utah game. A lot of both. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on the Underdog Fantasy app with the promo code Locked On two words, and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. One word, actually, Locked On. Get your first deposit doubled with underdog okay so a lot of things a lot of things on my mind at the moment a lot of things on your mind going into this game against Utah the biggest question is whether or not Bo Nix will play it looks like the answer is no so let's operate under that assumption and say can Oregon win the game if Bo Nix doesn't play sure sure of course they can do I feel great about it? No. But is it in the realm of Colorado beating Oregon or Colorado beating Washington this week or anything like that? No, it's not that sort of calamitous upset if it's Ty Thompson back there and he ends up getting a win at Austin Stadium and he'd probably make himself into a little bit of a, a legend. It would be mighty surprising to be sure. But Vegas doesn't lie. And Vegas, once they heard, oh, Bo Nix isn't playing, mm, we're going to move that five points in the other direction. It's notable. It is notable. Here's the other thing that's notable about that line. Because what you'll hear is, oh, it was a five-point shift. It's gone the other way. Yet, now the line's Utah minus two. Minus two. So, so Vegas, under the assumption that Bo Nix isn't going to play, thinks, yeah, well, now Utah... Is, uh, is good enough to be a road favorite. I agree, but they don't think they should be a touchdown road favorite, not even a field goal road favorite. Maybe they're right now operating on Rumerville, trying to get people to bet Utah. Maybe. Maybe Dan Lanning is playing 4D chess with all of us. Maybe he told Hudson to say, hey, you know, so Bo is down and next man got to step up. And everybody kind of went and say, what now? Say, say what now? Maybe they're trying to draw Utah's attention away. I have no idea. Nobody has any idea. We will never hear a straight answer about whether or not he was supposed to say that. I think there's one of three possibilities with that particular quote, because I know you will all probably want some, some answers on that, and I do too, but here's the way I see it. Number one, he wasn't supposed to say it. He got chewed out by the coaching staff later, let it slip. Stuff happens. Number two, Lanning is playing five-dimensional chess, and he is trying to just throw everybody off and pull a Utah on Utah, sort of, where you're playing games with the starter, yada, yada, yada. I don't know. We'll see. Number three, this is a real possibility, too. Chris Hudson was trying to say at some point in time during that interview, well, if Bo is down, then it's got to be next man up. Didn't seem that way. Still a possibility. Those media interviews are hard. These are kids. So let's get to what we would need from Ty Thompson. 
I think there's some optimism on this front with the way this Oregon offense has functioned this year. Now, what we've seen from Ty Thompson has not been encouraging. It has not been. Every time he comes in with the second-team offense, they don't move the ball. He hasn't scored a touchdown this year. He's turned the ball over a couple times, created a bunch of negative plays. He hasn't felt in command of the offense or comfortable running the offense at this point in time. The flip side of that coin, however, is that when he gets into the game, does it feel like they're calling plays the same way they would when they're trying to score points? Not really. Is that a function of just wanting the game to end? Or is it a function of not trusting Ty Thompson? I think you could go either way. I tend to lean towards they don't trust him, especially given that he came in, tie game, at home, against the Huskies, and they didn't trust him to put the ball in the air once. He did have an RPO on, on one play, but you know they weren't calling anything down the field. They were not willing to come in and take a shot. And you've seen backup quarterbacks do that in college football over the years. It's happened from time to time. But the optimism I will provide you with here is that Bo Nix has been really good running this offense this year. He's executed at a high level. He's done amazing things. His completion percentage, his running, his decision-making, most of all, I think that's the biggest thing Oregon would lose with Ty Thompson back there, the control and decision-making Bo Nix has had at the helm. He has steered this ship in a perfectly straight direction. But Bo Nix has not been the catalyst per se. Here's the difference. Has Bo Nix been important? Yes. Is he important? Yes. Is he a great player? Yes. want to clarify all of that. But here's the point. If you watch USC, USC at times feels like they are Caleb Williams dependent. They're relying on him to pick up a first down with his legs and get out of trouble. They're relying on him to scramble out of the pocket and chuck it down the field and play scramble drill. They are relying on him to make spectacular plays at times for them to move the ball. Bonix has had to make very good plays at times this year. He hasn't had to make spectacular ones. You know the runaround highlight he had at LSU last year? He hasn't had to do that with Auburn. Or he hasn't had to do that with Oregon. He had to do that at Auburn from time to time, but he hasn't had to. And so an Oregon team that just ran for over 300 yards against a Washington front four that is more stout and was going into the game than what Utah has been this year. This is not the same Utes defense as what we recall from from a season ago when Oregon scored 17 points in two games. I think even with Ty Thompson, they could get over 20 points. Could they get over 30? That depends on how he's throwing the ball and and what sort of reads he's able to make. But to say that this has been a quarterback-reliant offense is not accurate. It's been quarterback-dependent for execution, But it doesn't need the incredible, the spectacular, the amazing. It just needs you to be able to make the right reads and execute some throws. So do I have a lot of faith in Ty Thompson to do that at this point in time? Not really, based on what we've seen. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he proves all of us wrong if he ends up being the starter. But do I think that it's just an incredibly impossible, unthinkable, unlikely situation to play out where he is able to move the ball and score enough points to win the game? No, because Kenny Dillingham has schemed things very well, and they have been a run-first team. For all the talk we had in the offseason a year ago, 
you know, when I first took over the show and then really in, in this offseason leading up to this 2022 campaign, it's been about, well, we ran the ball too much, needed to throw the ball a little bit more. I haven't crunched the numbers. I would imagine they are very close in terms of how often we ran the ball last year to how often we ran the ball this year. The difference is the passing plays that we have called this year have taken more downfield shots. We have more players who are capable of it because guys like Chris Hudson and Troy Franklin have gotten better. We have a quarterback who's more willing to take those shots. And we have a philosophy that wants it to be a part of it. But this is a run-first offense, and they use it to set up a lot of other plays. So again, it's not an air raid that Ty Thompson would be coming into. He's got to be able to make reads. He's got to be able to execute plays. But he doesn't have to go out there and throw the ball 35 times. Bo Nix, how many times this season has he been, you know, 21 to 22? That's executing at a high level, or 21 to 25, rather, or 20 to 24, or whatever the case has been. But he hasn't needed to throw the ball 40 or more times, except for, you know, I don't know how many attempts he had against Washington State. It was probably a lot. If you wanted to bet, Ty Thompson's passing total if he's in there, or Bucky Irving's rushing total because we'll probably run the ball, maybe even a little bit more than normal. Lean on that offensive line. You got to go check out Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the college football season. You can pick Bucky Irving, Troy Franklin. I'm sure Ty Thompson will be in there if he ends up playing. Bo Nix, anybody that you want on Oregon or any team in the Pac-12. You can pick their total higher or lower. Just go in there. It's easy to play in over 30 states. Pick two to five players across the Ducks or any other team, and boom, you spice up college football. Sign up with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. You deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code locked on one word to get in on the college football pick'em action today. You need Ty Thompson to make throws. You got to be able to take a shot every now and then. But overall, you just need him to complete some passes here and there. Lean on that offensive line, and I think that is one of the biggest matchups in this game offensively. Is the O-line able to run the ball so well that if it's tight and if it's bow, offense runs as normal. Even if he's at just 80%, okay, you run the quarterback a little bit less, but everything else is the same. But if you've got Ty Thompson back there, the offensive line, it can't just be solid. It can't just be good. They have to be great. They have to be great. You got a guy in there who's inexperienced who's going to have to be throwing the ball in ways that he hasn't at all this season in the limited action that he's seen, you got to give him clean pockets. You got to give him a chance. You can't ask him to break contain and make throws on the run. It's not something he's going to be particularly comfortable with because he hasn't had to do it at this point in his career. You got to keep him clean. And against this Utah front four, Oregon should be able to. Even if Forsyth isn't in there, Third string center is Jackson Powers Johnson. Second string is Ryan Walk. And then JPJ would probably slide over at at right guard and start. Whatever combination they've had, the offensive line's been really good. And they have to be at their absolute best to get the ground game going, to support a young and experienced quarterback, and to give him a chance to go through progressions, make reads, and settle into the game. Can't allow early pressure. And this is a Utah front four 
that against USC, whose offensive line is good, but still not as good as Oregon's is capable of being at points this season, they struggled to get after Caleb Williams. They really, really did. Some of that is that he's mobile. Some of it is he just had a bunch of time in the pocket. And if Ty Thompson can trust his offensive line, he could find some success. He could find some success. Not the level of what Bo's been playing at this year. If Ty is in there, you can be hopeful, optimistic, hope for you know him to have success and say, well, he's got to be able to do this. He's got to be able to do that. You can't expect him to execute this offense at the level that Bo Nix has been doing. You cannot expect that at a kid. He's back up for a reason, and this would be a this would be his first start. I hope all this commentary is moot. I get the sense it's not going to be. But if he is going to play well enough to win this game, offensive line with or without Alex Forsyth, their ringleader, their signal caller, and one of the best guys up there too, who's really experienced, whether he's there or not. Guys are going to have to step up, bring their A game. Biggest defensive matchup and key here. Dalton Kincaid. I hope Gonzo just shadows Devon Vele. I like Vele. He's a good, solid receiver. I trust Gonzo and him a lot. They have similar body types. Taller, a little skinnier, fast, but not super twitchy, but you know, just fast enough. I, I think Gonzo can shut him down. You know, if he he held T Mac to like four catches for 60 yards or so, I think Vele could be well under that. You know, if you want to go check out underdog, pick a total. I think you, you take Vele under, assuming we actually allow Gonzo to shadow him. I want to see more man coverage this week because Utah's wide receivers are not that great. They're not that bad, right? Devon Vele's good. He's solid. He reminds me a lot of Devin Williams from a season ago. I think he's a touch better. But Money Parks is not Britton Covey, though he can make plays. He can 100% make plays. I think that'll be a Dante Manning matchup. In, in one-on-one situations, the biggest thing for this Oregon defense, guys, and girls out there watching or listening. I don't know how many of you are there. I, I'd be curious to know, by the way. Guys, or uh, any any girls that watch or listen to the show, ring in. Just I, I like I'm just I'm just genuinely curious. I know there are plenty of you out there, but I'm always curious as to as to how many, what the demographics are, where people are. Anyway, how do you slow down Dalton Kincaid? How do you do it? I don't trust Bennett Williams defending people over the top. I trust him defending guys inside the box. I trust him making tackles in open space. And I don't want to see him playing as a deep safety because he doesn't have the speed to play at that level of secondary. That much is abundantly clear. But I've still seen him in man coverage this year be really good. And I like him as a box safety. And when you have to go man-to-man, who's going to guard Dalton Kincaid? It's not going to be Noah Sewell. It's not going to be Justin Flo. It'll probably be a lot of Bennett Williams and Jeffrey Bossa. But losing him in zone coverage is where I am concerned because the zone coverage has been soft. It's been porous. Pass rush hasn't been there. If you give Cam Rising time, he is going to dissect you. He will be surgical, methodical, Tom Brady-like with the way that he just takes what you're giving him. And thus far in 2022, the Ducks defense has given quite a bit and he is going to look for number 86 a lot he's going to look for number 86 a lot in this game and I think how Oregon chooses to defend him like if you can just take Gonzo trust him to limit Devon Vele seriously in this game and I don't think Vele would be one of Washington's top three receivers why like Adunze McMillan and Polk 
I think they're all a little better than Vela. He'd probably be in the mix, but if you can take Gonzo, put him there, and help take number 17 out of the game, that's Vela's number, then you can divert a lot of attention to Dalton Kincaid. And if you can do that, I'm telling you, these Utah wide receivers, they're, they're solid, but they're not top tier. They, they are not top tier. Is not the strength of their team. You will see this Utah team run the football more than a team playing Oregon would. And, I mean, if they do that, more power to them because I trust Oregon's run defense. I don't trust anything else about the defense, but I trust that. And that's my biggest key on uh, defense, or leads me into my biggest key on defense, I should say. Because Utah is going to run the football, and they're going to stay committed to running the football. Even if they're just getting, you know, two, three yards of carry sometimes, they want to do that. It sets up their play action in a big way, and it's how they get Dalton Kincaid out into the flat or out at the second level of your defense. He doesn't go downfield a ton. You know, that's why I think I can safely say Bennett Williams could cover him or at least match up decently well because he doesn't really go down the field. That's where, you know, we know Bennett struggles mightily. But I think if you can see Utah continue to run the football and defend the run the way you have this year, you're going to find yourself in a lot of third downs. And again, it's deja vu, right? It's deja vu, but a nightmare. Oregon, third down defense. I think you're going to see a lot of third downs in this game because Utah at times is stubborn with the way they run the football. Cam Rising is good, but they don't want to air it out 35 to 40 times. It's not Michael Penix. It's not Jaden Delora. It's not Cam Ward. It's not any of those Washington State quarterbacks of the past. It's just not the way they play. It's not the way that Kyle Whittingham fundamentally believes you should win a football game. They want to be balanced, and they're at their best when they are. And so even if Oregon is holding them to just three, four yards of carry, you're going to find yourself in third and threes, third and fours, third and twos. Can they get off the field? Because that's how they can have success. And going back to supporting a young quarterback potentially making his first career college start. Yeah, the defense will have to play better, but you got to be able to get off the field. You got to be able to give him chances. You can't let him sit there on the sideline. Can't let Utah go on a seven, eight minute drive in your home stadium. Ty Thompson just sitting there watching and then he comes off the bench and he's got to go in and try to execute the place. Defense has to turn in one of their better showings of the year. You know, Ty Thompson is not going to go out there and and go 20 to 25 for 322 yards and three touchdowns. It's not going to happen. But statistically, if he can go out there and give you like 16 to 25 for 220, two touchdowns, maybe an interception, that can be good enough to win the game if the defense can get off the field on third down. Biggest key right there. Got a couple of questions about, about what happened to Bo Nix. couple thoughts there, including kind of what took place on that play, because I know some of you wanted to hear about that, which I will happily oblige after I remind you this episode brought to you by Nugenics. Nugenics Total Tea contains man-boosting key ingredients like testophen. It's been validated in five clinical studies shown to boost free testosterone levels in Men. Part of the reason I was curious about demographics, we got products like this that cater very heavily to my men out there in the audience. While every product professes quality, many other products use generic ingredients that are often far less than clinical grade. With Nugenics Total Tea, you get the same clinical potency levels used in the trials, and Nugenics' formulation is backed by 10 years of science and research. That's as long as I have been playing 
golf, which I did several times in Hawaii this week. It was quite fun and the weather was beautiful and it's lovely to play early in the morning, benefiting from being on that mountain time, of course. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text COLLEGE to 231231. Text now. Get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. Text college to 231231. That's college to 231231 to get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea today. Got some nice alliterations there. That's uh, solid stuff. Okay, so one of you, I think a couple of you, I, I, I honestly forgot to write the name of the question asker down, but you all know how to ask questions, right? YouTube comments, at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. Either one, slide up into the DMs, post a comment, whatever, get a question answer here on the show. Uh, someone asked a question, and you probably know who you are. I apologize for not giving your name a shout-out. Shoot me a message, and I'll shout you out next week because uh, everybody deserves that because I appreciate you asking questions. I love that you, you, know, uh, that, that you care about the show enough and think that I'm knowledgeable enough to, to answer a question that you have. So people have wondered about, like, well, hey, so Bonix got hurt on that play. Like, should that have been targeting? Couple thoughts. He does appear to drop his head. Unquestionably. And if it had been flagged for targeting, yeah, it might have gotten upheld. Because it looks like he comes in, drops the crown of his helmet, and anytime you show the crown of your helmet to a ball carrier whether he's you know semi-defenseless or not, whether it's a receiver running a route, quarterback, running back, doesn't matter. That's usually an automatic flag. But the other thought I've got here is I'm, I'm really not hung up on it too much for a couple of reasons. Number one, if the flag had been thrown, yeah, Oregon probably wins the game. Should have won the game anyway. Said at the time, not going to come on here and gripe about officials. They make bad calls on the whole. They're not very good at their jobs, especially in the Pac-12. That's the way it's been for a long time. You can't expect that to suddenly get better. Now, when I watched the, the replay and looked at the angle, I thought, yeah, I mean, it could be. But I also thought about it and said, hey, do I really want that to be called targeting? No, not really, because Bo Nix is not a defenseless player. And I mean, I get it, you can't drop the crown of the helmet, but that's more to protect the Washington player than it is to protect Bo. Not that it's not there to protect the, the, the ball carrier. Obviously, since Bo Nix got hurt on, on that play, it may impact us here at, at, in the Utah game, unfortunately. But was it like the most blatantly obvious, how did you miss it, can't believe it, outrage, non-targeting call ever? Not really. He hits him in the leg. It's unfortunate, but... You know, yeah, he drops his helmet there, and that's why they they have the rules. They don't want to do that because it's dangerous for for both players a little bit. But I mean, if he puts his head to the side and his face mask up, and he hits him in the shoulder pad, he still could have hurt Bo. You know, wh whatever he injured, and we don't really know. And then they they I think asked about it. Lanning did, and um, he gave a quote that indicated what we already knew, which is. It's not consistently enforced in any conference, frankly. Everybody gripes with their, their league officials about you know, targeting and why it's this and what it's that. And I, I don't feel any differently when, when looking at it and going, yeah, yeah, that could have been targeting. But here are things we already knew about targeting. It's inconsistently enforced. 
and it's overly punitive. And guess what? It's still inconsistently enforced, and at the college level, it's still overly punitive. So I get why you're all wondering uh, about that sort of stuff. Yes, they could have thrown the flag. Am I, you know, forever going to be peeved that they didn't? No, I'm forever going to be peeved that we allowed a 62-yard touchdown on third and seven. That's that's what's going to peeve me about the game. Not that particular play. You know, Landing was clearly frustrated and didn't want to go into it, lest he say something that may have gotten him a fine, frankly, when when he was asked a, a question about it by a member of the media. But, I mean, it tells you all you need to know about the rule itself, that the problems are still there and expecting, you know, relying on that in that situation. That's not the solution for how Oregon could have beaten Washington. Even, you know, with the long pass play, like on third and five, give it to a running back. Give it to a running back or or sprint bow out. Like I, I didn't like that play call anyway. And I'm not saying, you know, it's what Oregon deserved, obviously. It, it was not, and nobody deserves, you know, what Bo got in, in getting hurt like that. But I, I just feel like it, it's it can go either way. Sometimes they throw it, sometimes they don't. I'm not surprised by it, so therefore I'm not upset by it. Final thoughts here. If Bo plays, even if he's just 80% and he's toughing it out, I do think Oregon will win. If Ty plays, hard to feel confident, but it's also hard to know. It, it is hard to know. And for all you people who wanted to see Ty Thompson coming into the year, for all of you people, myself included, who wanted to see him last year when Anthony Brown was struggling, seems like we'll finally get our chance to have some hard, concrete evidence as to what Ty Thompson is. I really hope we don't. But by Monday... And by the time I record that show, we may very well know what caliber of quarterback Ty Thompson is at this point in time. Hope that's not the case. We'll just have to wait and find out on Saturday. I will be here to answer all your questions, help us get through all this stuff, no matter what. Always. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Enjoy the game. And go Ducks. And wait, 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 wait. I'm going to have to do that again because I almost forgot to mention. I will be in Eugene this weekend. I will then like rolling over to next week, Sunday and Monday. But Monday is the women's basketball game. They are hosting Southern Utah. I'll be calling that game for the Thunderbirds on radio. If you are in Eugene, go to the game. Like You, you should go to the game. The women's basketball team should be pretty darn good this year. And if you want to say what's up, meet up in person, shoot me a message on Twitter, and we'll try and figure it out. I would love to see as many of you as I can. It would be really, really awesome. And it'll be really cool to be calling a game inside that arena. And with that, hope to see some of you soon. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And go Ducks.